Let's continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, we continue to thank you so much for this great afternoon and this great day. Father, it's a day that you made that we shall gather here in your presence. Father, I want to surrender every man and woman gathered in this place. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them. Some have left their workplaces, others have left their families, and so many other things, Lord, to come and sit at your feet. And so, Father, I pray that this afternoon you'll speak to us and speak to us in a voice that is clear. Empty me, Lord, and use me as a vessel to bring your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A very good afternoon to all of us and praise the Lord. Thank you for coming and to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, my brother, for the able introduction and ministry of the word. I'm Tusuvira John. I'm married. I've been married for the past 13 months to Viola Nagasha, and God has blessed us with a baby who is making four months on Sunday. Our topic this afternoon is worldly trends as barriers to revival, as we have seen, taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 1. Seven. By the word worldly trends, we mean the direction in which the social, political, religious, economic events of society are developing or changing. Some of these events are both physical and tangible, like fashion, the clothes we wear, the hairstyles, while others are systems, like policies and human behavior. These changes both have a positive and a negative impact on our spiritual lives. The other word is barrier. A barrier is an obstacle or something that prevents us from accessing something. The main word, revival. There are a number of words that can be used to mean revival. Words such as improvement, betterment, come back, We've always heard when someone is not doing well, then they do a comeback. It can also be used to mean revival. And we have words like re-establishment. But in a Christian context, we always use a word awakening to mean a revival. The word revival is also similar to a medical term called resuscitation. Resuscitation is an emergency procedure that is carried out to revive someone and you bring them back to life. And so the need for a revival in the church, in our political system, is a matter of urgence that we all need to rise and respond to. According to Dr. Adrian Rogers, he is an old-time Baptist preacher, he defines revival as a circumstance when the glory of the Lord rises up in us individually and then corporately, that's at family level, and then to the communities around us. And so my work this afternoon is to help us understand the things that are barring us or that are stopping us from experiencing the glory of God. And I'm very much humbled to address this topic because I'm a product of the East African Revival. I got saved so many years ago at age six, and my mother was 46, 
and she had been the youngest person in this revival fellowship. So when I got saved, I became the youngest. And in the revival fellowship of that time, we emphasized walking in, a light, in the light, and it's so common to any revivalist, they will tell you, brother, walk in light. We emphasized walking in light. There was public confession of sin, but there are certain things that we overlooked during this revival. In this revival, we did not embrace the gifts and working of the Holy Spirit, such as exorcism, prophecy, speaking in tongues. In fact, during that time, these activities were illegal. If you dared to drive out a demon, you were chased from the fellowship. If you spoke in tongues, it was so illegal that you would even be banned from fellowshipping. And so we emphasized public confession, which was also not followed by deep repentance. But the, the, the walking in the light at some point became so much, the light was too much that at some extent it began burning some brothers and sisters, and they had to depart from the fellowship. We had funny confessions such as someone getting up and telling you, brother, I have to walk in light. Your second born is my son. We had such confessions that brought great trouble in this revival. And so, as we walked along the way, I think we reserved certain things for us. We did not deal with the high places. We did not encourage people to burn shrines, even sometimes when they were saved, the shrines remained. And these things followed us, the revivalists, until the revival has become a story to tell. Today, I want us to examine, before we come to the things that are stopping us from experiencing the glory of God, I want us to look at a revival a real, true, genuine revival. You see, when we focus on things that stop us from attaining something, we can remain in a state of focusing on those things and fail to think about what is ahead of us. I want us to turn to the book of Acts. There was a mighty revival that took place in the book of Acts, chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we will begin reading from verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were in one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone Neither did, neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon all. Nor was there any among those who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the feet of the apostles. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, 
a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having learned sold it and brought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. The book of Acts talks about a mighty revival that took place in church. It's one of the greatest revivals of modern history in church that took place. But we are looking at the ingredients of this revival. There was laying on of hands. People were being filled by the Holy Spirit and moving and ministering to God's people in power. There was also sharing. The Bible says they sold the land and brought the proceeds to the house of God. These days we talk about revival. We need a revival in the land, but we grab land. We don't sell land to bring the proceeds to do the work of the Lord. The disciples also were together in one accord, and they were ministered to by the Spirit of the Lord. In chapter 5, we witness a scenario of a man called Ananias and a wife called Sapphira. These people sold and held back part of what they sold. But when they came to Peter, Peter told them, why are you lying to the Spirit? And so we cannot ignore the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we need to have a revival in church, even at family level. These days it is the ushers who have gone to the reverend and told them that one sold the land for five million and brought two. But here we are having the spirit of the Lord ministering. And Peter is asking these people, why have you told a lie to the spirit of God? One thing that is killing revival today are rumors amongst us. And even that the, the, the leaders have also listened to rumors instead of, living, instead of listening to the Spirit of God. I imagine, just imagine if it was Anasha coming and telling Peter that these people have kept part of the land, part of the money that they sold in the land. But the apostles allowed the Spirit of the Lord to minister to them and everything that they did was by revelation of the Spirit of God. So one of the ingredients of a true revival is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the revivalists. When you continue in chapter 5, verse 12, we see the apostle Peter coming out to preach the gospel in power because he had been filled by the Spirit of the Lord. We see patients being brought on the streets so that the shadow of Peter can pass across them and they be healed. So when there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there is no formula. There are no written, written rules of how the Spirit should move as we see these days the limitations that have been put on the Holy Spirit. In this early church when there was a mighty move of God, there was manifestation of the Holy Spirit and miracles happened in different ways. It wasn't the traditional of coming here and laying hands on the people. Some people got healed at, in their home places. It reminds me of a mighty revival that took place in the United States in the 1730s. There was a great Presbyterian preacher called Jonathan. He preached a famous sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And as he preached, there was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the church. The believers would not hold sitting on the pews of the church. 
Some of them were seen holding themselves on the pillars of the church and falling down. And even people that were passing around the church were struck by the Holy Spirit and they fell down and worshipped God. And so the Holy Spirit is a key ingredient in this ministry. I don't know whether we have some revivalists here. You can bear me witness that we missed out on this during the East African revival. And that's why it has become a story to tell. I also want to address some key areas in this country where we need to have a mighty visitation of the Lord. Among these, I want to look at family level. We need a mighty visitation in the family level, at the family level. By the time we were growing up, those of us who grew up in the village, we only had one radio at home, and it was owned by the owner of the home who was the father. He controlled it, he used it to listen to news, and after that he kept it. And so there was a lot of time, families had time, we sat together at a fireplace and listened to stories. But all this is long gone. Children have their own program as they return from school from six to seven. They are watching cartoons. Then the mother comes back, she has a soap on spark she wants to watch. That is eight to nine. Then the father comes back at nine, I want to watch NTV, NBS News. That is nine to 9.30. By the time he finishes watching news, the children have dozed off and they have slept. The woman finished watching her soap, she has showered, she has gone to rest. And so this man is also having a lot to do the next day. He goes and checks on the children, they have slept. He says, God bless my children, and he also goes to bed. So we have lost it at family level. If we are to embrace a revival in this nation, it will not come the way we expect it. We have to first go back at family level and deal with a number of issues, including the names we give to our children. I come from Busi and the naming of children in my area is really worrying. If you follow someone who died, they give you a name called Mayende. Mayende means maggots. It means you follow maggots. That's the kind of names that they give to children. There's another one they call you Makoha. Makoha means rubbish, and it's a very common name, especially if you follow someone who is deaf, dumb, or mute. You're called that name, which means rubbish. And so we need to sit as families and examine ourselves that if we truly need to experience a revival, shall we experience it with all these things in our hearts? My father was given a name called Sikenyi. Sikenyi in our local language means things of the shrine. As a little boy, he wasn't so active, and so he was given the activity of fetching water and bringing it to the gods. And so they, he was named after that thing. He moved in the, in the revival of that time, and he was called by that name. Until a certain brother spoke to him and said, you know what, and he was a reverend, you need to change that name and pray about it. He changed the name, he came back home very happy, and a lot of things changed at home. That is a revival. We need it at family level. We also need to sit with our children and tell them who their real aunties and uncles are. 
It's a growing trend that when daddy is not around, there is an uncle who comes home who has never been introduced to their children. And when mom is not around, there is an uncle who comes. When dad is not around, there is a new auntie who comes. So we need to sit our children and, with our children and tell them, this is your aunt, she's the one who follows me. Her picture is here, is here in the album. So we are raising up children who are confused about strange aunties and uncles who come and they have access to the master's bedroom. We need revival at education level. For those of you that went to school some time back, we had a book called The Nile English Course. We studied stories about Mr. Heya and the hyena. We studied about Mr. Puskat. But today, our children are reading books like Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, and they, they tend to behave exactly like the things they read in these books. We also know that education centers have now become recruitment centers of homosexuality. We also need to pray for a might revival in the education sector. In the government and the politics, you're hearing of a scandal where someone used the iron sheets meant for Karamoja to construct a structure for her animals. Such a mind does not need policies because policies are there. Such a mind needs revival. Such a mind needs the grace of God. Such a mind needs to encounter Christ. We see a lot of commercialization of politics. We see dramatization of politics, corruption, tribalism, all these things are affecting government and the political scene. And, we do not, and when we do not have a revival in politics and in government, we cannot attain full revival in church because they have the power and the mandate to make rules that will make ministering very hard. We also need reform and revival in the media. You can look at the people we have on our, on our televisions, Relationships are now being broken in the media and our children are watching and they are growing up knowing moving from one man to another is normal. If someone cannot take you to Dubai for shopping, drop them and look for someone who can do that. We have men and women in the media who are speaking these things on TV and our children are watching. And it's so sad that some families that call themselves style up, the father and mother are there watching together with their children. And the children tend to make fun that that is my role model and we keep quiet about it. There is a lot of vulgar talk for you to attract crowds. People on social media want likes and they do whatever it takes to get those likes. There is emphasis in the media on subject things that do not matter. I attended a funeral service here and a sermon was so good. To my surprise, reading in the newspaper, it was for a big person that was written about. They wrote about the speeches. Then towards the end, they said, the provost preached so well. Nothing was reported about the preaching. And so we need men and women of God in the media industry if we are to have better reporting. We report stories that do not matter. We have pornographic sites that are also available everywhere. We have too many TV stations, but sometimes you sit with a remote and change through all of them and fail to get nothing to watch. When you put on the Christian ones, you see the man of God asking for money, telling false prophecies, and people accepting. I switched on a TV, 
and a man of God was carrying out deliverance. And he, he got his phone and said, this matter is too complicated for me, I have to call heaven. He dialed and called and said, Papa God, I have a woman here, what is her name? And he said, you're Sandra. I said, yes, man of God. Such things irritate to the level that you have to put down that remote, switch off the TV and go away. But these are Christian televisions. We need revival in this area. Arts and entertainment. This is where we find the most influential forces that shape our society today. The personalities that our children admire. We all find them here. These things have shaped society so much that they have become the talk of the day. The Nyege Nyege Festival was discussed in the parliament and all televisions, but still it took place. But one thing I'm happy about is that people prayed and it wasn't a success. I was following a story yesterday of how it failed. I've been praying for it not to harm pain, but now I want it to happen until people start dying from there, and then it will stop. We have other shows like Reggae on the Nile. We have blankets and wine where you go with the blanket and put it on grass and begin drinking wine. All these festivals are there and they are happening in the arts and entertainment industry. We have the white party where you put on white and begin mixing different types of wines and drink. We have roast and rhyme, where you eat different types of meat and drink different types of wine. All these things are happening around us. We need revival in the religious sector. We need to have revived men and women of God. There are so many fellowships that are taking place around church. So many crowds, so big crowds, and the man of God stands and telling you there is a mighty move of God in the land. At the end of the day, he collects offertor and goes home. There's one building, a mega structure, a 30,000 seater church not far from here. It's not even named St. John, St. Paul, or anything. I will not say the name, but it's named after the American Defense Headquarters. That is the name of this church. It is a 30,000 seater. The man has a great following that when it rains, he stands in the rain. And I, I usually don't like calling his followers a flock. I call it a herd. And the herd also stands in the rain. And they begin falling down in mud and crying to the Lord. But at the end of the day, the man of God takes home the offertory bag, treats himself, and you go home shivering. We need to reform the religious sector. Finally, the economy and business. We need Christians. We need rich Christians. One of the things that are hindering revival is money to do ministry. And the people who have the money are not Christians. And when they give money, it comes with strings attached to it. We need, also at national level, we need to have our economy revived. And this is where I disagree with most people who say that the whites are developed because they stole our gold. The gold we have in this country is enough. It's actually more than enough. Look at Congo. The entire country is seated on pure gold, but it's one of the poorest countries in Africa. So it's not about having the minerals and everything. It's about people getting revived and understanding the calling that God has placed upon their lives at such a time. The issue of gold has become a blessing in disguise. 
Recently, we went home to survey our land. And we were, as we were waiting for the land title, they told us that land was taken up by a mining company in 1946. And so you can have your title, but when the investor comes, allow him to do activities on that land. Then the other piece of land that we bought near town, the same thing. The investor is coming to take it. And the most painful thing is that the investor is from China. So these countries are not developed because they stole gold from Africa. Africa still has resources that can make us feed the entire world. Uganda has resources that can make us a first world country in less than 10 years. In the 1960s and early 70s, late 60s and 1970s, South Korea came to Uganda to do benchmarking when Amini was still president. We were ahead of them, but now where are we? Go to South Korea and see, it's a first world country. But we are here lamenting they stole our gold. How much have we borrowed from them that even our great-grandchildren will never be able to pay back that debt? We need revival. We need renewed minds. We need minds that will understand the grace of God that is upon our lives. My brother took the reading, and it was clear enough. And the, 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 the Apostle Paul opens up that reading with, with a word that calls us to imitate Christ. And so one of the things that are stopping us from experiencing revival is departure from the saving grace. By nature, we are sinners, and we are not worthy to be called children of God. But we are only drawn close to him by his unending grace. Friends, we have been saved grace by grace and not by works. And so I also call upon us to stop the habit of moving from one man of, man of God to another to experience miracles. We love prophecies. Even when we have received enough of them, they have never been enough. Some of us know very well that we cannot get married because we have bad manners. We talk a lot. We have no respect. We cannot handle a man but we keep moving to the man of God to prophesy on our lives because you feel there is a problem. The problem is within you. You need revival. You need to listen to the word of God. The men of God have misled us so much because of prophecy. There is one who was told to go home and cut trees. The man of God told her that the witchcraft was placed under that tree. So she went home and cut seven big trees, and a man of God organized a truck to ferry them at night. Others are told it is your brownie aunt bewitching you, and you end up hating all your brownie aunties because you believe they are bewitching you. Friends, it is by grace. It is not by works. And so for us to experience the revival, we shouldn't departure from that grace through which we were saved. Number two, departure from the first love. The Bible, the scripture reading told us to walk in love. There was always that moment when we were so saved, especially at the time when we had come to the Lord. 
I remember my own story. When I went to secondary, I became so safe that I would not sit on the same desk with a girl because I believed she would tempt me. I, I, I wouldn't share my pain with someone who is not saved. There is that feeling you have. <clears throat> there comes a time when you love your God so much that you defend him even in the most foolish way. And so the Bible is calling us to return to that first love. When my wife was pregnant, she loved jackfruit a lot, and I bought it. I would buy, come home, cut it, sort out, put it in a clean plate, bring it even covered, uncover it, pray for it, and even feed her. But after giving birth, she sent me for jackfruit. I brought it after three weeks and took it in the kitchen. So when she asked, I told her it is in the kitchen. She asked me, but what happened? Where has that love gone? She told me, is it sorted? I said, no. <laughs> I told her it is full. <laughs> so time comes when we drift away from that first love. And now I have shifted the whole love to the baby. <clears throat> when I come before you greet her, the hugs have now reduced. I come and snatch the baby as if she's mistreating the baby and walk to the bedroom with the baby, come back to the sitting room with the baby, move out with the baby. And then after I come back, she says, I say, hey, thank you, how are you? So as Christians, we also tend to shift away from that first love with which we were saved. I want us to remember that point in time when we received Christ. When Christ was there for us <clears throat> in all circumstances, the times when you're poor and you prayed to God and you promised him that when you get money, you'll help all the poor people in your village. We can't imagine it's you who drives and cover them with dust today. So we need to return to the first love, to the time when you attended all lunch hours, to the time when you attended all, uh, all, all night fellowships, the overnights, to the time when you prayed, we need to return to that first love in order to experience a revival in our lives. But the script also calls us to love one another. Love has become a thing that we just talk about these days, even in Christian circles. If something happened and I moved out and left this bottle open, if I came back, I would be hesitant about drinking this water. And yet the brother here has introduced me and prayed, Jaja Grace is my good friend, but simply I cannot trust them because we have drifted away from that first love. And from verse 3 following, they talk about sexual immorality, they talk about lies, they talk about fornication, that all these things are stopping us from attaining the full glory of the Lord in our lives. It's amazing when you speak to young people who are not married. At least each one of them has an ex. And they're in the presence of God. Not one, not two, not three. And they proudly talk about them. That one is my ex. My ex used to do this. So why did you leave him or her? And it's the order of the day. But the apostle tells us such things should not even be heard of among the brethren. But it has become a bit normal today. We do not only hear about them, but we also exercise them, we experience them, 
and we go through them, and they have become part of us. Finally, in the book of Revelation, there was a letter that was written to the church at Ephesus. Just it corresponds to the scripture that we have been reading in the book of Revelations, chapter 2. And it is named as the loveless church. I want you to imagine a postman coming here with a letter. And this is what the letter says to All Saints Cathedral. Revelations chapter 2. I know your works, from verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. So as a church, we do all these things. We know the bad things, we know the bad people, and we cannot bear even sitting near them. Some of them, we walk to them and tell them what you're doing is bad. But we have shifted from the first love of the church. Sharing, moving in one accord. I imagine a church where a sister will come and find someone putting on that dress, the same dress. Then you sit near her and tell her, I think we are twin sisters. We need to pray together. But today you find her, now wearing the same dress, now you look at the shoes and say, ah, ah, that one is a win, at least my shoe is better. You even develop hatred for her because you feel she's wearing your dress. I'm looking at a revived church where you will sit next to that sister and say, praise the Lord. I'm looking at a revived church where you will not sit next to someone because you have seen them park a powerful car outside but you sit next to this person who has come sweating and maybe smelling, but you sit near to them and call them brother and call them sister. I'm looking forward to that church. Until we experience that kind of church, the word revival is just on our lips. We shall never experience it. Praise the Lord. And so, friends, we need to treat the word of revival as a matter of urgency. We need it. We need it in church as we have seen. We need it in all areas of our lives. But so often we talk about it. We talk, everyone talks about revival, by the way, and tells you how much we need a revival. But revival will not just fall from heaven. It will not come knocking on our doors and telling us, here I have come. It's not going to fall on the streets. Revival requires agents, and we are the agents that are going to move forward and take this word to the people that do not know it. And it's a continuous thing that we share the word every day, that we love one another every day. It is continuous because it is driven by the spirit of the Lord. There is a lot of criticism today about the, 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 the people who, who, who bring out the manifestation of the spirit of the Lord in different ways. We are still stuck to our church canons. 
And when the spirit comes, we need an explanation from the church canons, how the spirit should move. When the spirit falls and someone speaks in tongues, we want to walk to them and ask them, where is the interpreter? Because we are not understanding what you're saying. When there is exorcism, someone wants to come and ask you, where have you got that power to drive out demons? When the spirit of the Lord falls and men and women begin falling down and crying out, such a preacher becomes illegal. He becomes bad <clears throat> because he's doing things that are not Anglican. And so we keep asking, friends, there is no liturgy for driving out demons. I have always told this story of a priest in our place who went to drive out demons from the place of a man who was a sorcerer. And as he got there, he was welcomed by serious whips and beating from people who were possessed. He had to go back home. The next day, he saw this witch doctor coming to his place, and he took off to enter the house. And the man said, no, Reverend, I have brought back your Bible and the clerical robes. And he said, put them there and go away. I never come back to my compound again. We shall not experience revival until we embrace this power, until we are ready to move out and speak. And when it comes, it will have no formula. It drives you speaking in tongues, speak. If it directs you to drive out demons, drive them out. Do not wait for written liturgies to come. These things of opening the Bible and you're reading, actually they go with the prayer books, you open and reading and you're driving out a demon. It will grab that prayer book and chase you away. So we need to embrace a revival at personal level and allow the spirit of the Lord to first work through us. And after it has worked through us, it is that spirit that is going to commission us into the field to preach the word of God. I am standing here preaching because it's one of the things that I admired from my father. I loved him so much. And on his deathbed, he said, never depart from the Lord. He was so sick that at some extent he lost his memory. But one question that he did not forget was to ask us, are you saved? And it gives me great joy to stand here because I feel he's watching in the galleries of heaven and he's proud of me. It is because I allowed God's power to work through me. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this afternoon. We want to thank you because you have spoken to us and you have spoken clearly. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will indwell us, Lord, and the subject of revival will cease to be on our lips, but it will be in our hearts. Lord, we pray that there will be a might outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our families, Lord. That, Father, our families will be able to stand as witnesses for your glory, Lord. That, Father, there will be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in the government, in the parliament. And as members of parliament stand to debate, they will first say, praise the Lord. That, Father, we shall understand the special anointing on this country that makes our motto to be for God and my country. That, Lord, we shall meditate on our national anthem and understand why it is written as a prayer and not as an ordinary song. 
that Father, we shall use these instruments of revival that you have given us, that you have empowered us with to take your church forward. We bless you and honor you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, thank, can you give another hand clap for our brother John? Um, I want us to rise on our feet. We're going to at least, you know, just have some time, five minutes, to bring this matter to the, to the depth that it's supposed to, to reach. There's a dimension that God is taking us, and the world is set to run to the children of God. And as they are running, there will have been something that will be chasing them to run to you. Are we together? The world will not just begin to get solutions from you when you have nothing to offer. Just lift up your hand. Dedicate yourself. Ask your, the Lord to, 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 to grant you the grace that the revival that is going to touch families is been praying for, you will be part of that particular family. Most of the things that what hinders the revival is the pride. Ask the Lord to forgive you of pride. The heart of I know it all, I have been here. Lift up your voice and just say, Father, forgive me. Cleanse me. Remove every form of pride in my life. My spirit cannot nurture pride. My family, everywhere where I step my my foot on. I cannot be proud anymore. Anything. It might be other, some other things that the Lord is pointing you to. The Lord needs men. He needs women. But they are not to be rigid men. They are not to be those with stiff nakedness. One of the things that God challenged the children of Israel was the issue of they were a stiff naked people and he cannot go anywhere with those that are stiff naked. Lift up your hands and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, anything that needs to break inside of me, let it break. Open your mouth and pray that prayer. Anything that needs to break, be it pride, be it stubbornness, be anything. Because the first instrument that is going to carry the name of God to the nations is you. Jesus spoke to Paul and said he's going to become an instrument that will carry my name to the Gentiles that is to suffer for me whenever revival comes it begins to touch those that are ready it begins to touch those that are ready it begins to touch those that are ready whenever the fire of God falls begins to touch those that are ready there must be somebody that will transfer the fire to another person be it at family level some of you have cried of siblings some of you have cried of those that don't know the Lord who you, do you think will take the, the message to them? As our brother was speaking, he made mention of mentorship of his late father. And we lack mentorship. Lift up your voices and begin to pray that there will be enough people that will be brought into the kingdom of God because somebody else mentored them. Ask the Lord for right mentors. We have created all forms of forums in groups and they are only doing activities. If you are here and you are a member of a particular group or fellowship and you are not doing the work of winning souls, you are wasting your time. I'm telling you. You are not doing the work of winning souls. You are just maintaining, you know, 
the things of just maintaining, maintaining the thing is the same. You are worse. You better get out of the fellowship and begin to do the work that apostles did in that season. Father, we come to you. Lord, kill all the, 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 the platforms that are useless in the church. Kill all the groups that are useless in the church. From the church of Uganda all the way to every other church. All the activities that we are doing in all the platforms that we have created, let them give life. That word revive, it means to restore that which was, was there, but now it's lost. Let there be spirituality. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. Let there be spirituality that is restored at all levels, in every platform. Let people get know the Lord. Gatherings that are useless, they just talk about people. Let's ask the Lord to put them to an end in this season, my friend. The theme of this month is revival. Revived for spiritual growth. You will never get to a certain level until you are at a certain level. Ask the Lord to empower you. You shall become one of the people that will take this message to every Tom and Dick in your village in the name of Jesus. You shall become one of the agents not an agent of darkness, not an agent, an instrument of, of, of wickedness, but an agent that is an instrument to take the message where it needs to be in the name of Jesus. Father, give us men and women that will revive this nation. I want us to take that particular prayer at the deeper level. We need men and women that will revive this particular nation. We cannot keep complaining of things like in schools when you don't have any other person. Father, we are asking for sold out men. That thing that you planted in the lives of the disciples, plant it in these men that are in government. Plant it in these men that are in civil society organizations. Plant it in these men and women that are everywhere. Plant it in them. Plant it, oh Lord, in the entertainment sector. Plant it, oh Lord, in the education sector. Plant it, oh Lord, in every mountain. Plant it, plant it. Mountain of influence. Let it be planted in the name of Jesus Christ. There is nothing like Anglican in heaven. I stand here as an authority and tell you that if you are not born again, you don't know the Lord, you go to hell. That's where you're going. I said this message somewhere, somewhere else and Every other person wanted to get saved. I think it was a premarital counseling. I told them I came here to also tell you that if you are not born again, you go to hell straight away. There are no, there's nowhere in the middle that you'll be, uh, excuse me, hell is waiting for you. And you know, Jesus made it very clear because the moment you die, and you think that they will clear you. There is like a transition. It's not an airport where you are transiting to. You are at Addis and you are waiting for the next flight or whichever airport. It's not like that, my friend. The moment you die, if you don't know Jesus straight, if you know Jesus, the angels will carry you. And if you don't know Jesus, come right here. Because we are serious as a church about this mission. If you don't know Jesus, come. We're going to pray for you. In three minutes, I'll be done. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, I have a service at 2.30 here. And you might have come in for that service. 
but if you don't know Jesus you are heading towards danger just come right here in front I'm going to pray for you saying I surrender surrender lift up your hands and say surrender I surrender oh to thee my blessed Savior I surrender you know when you get there you now some of the things God is doing now there are men that need real, real breaking inside them. Because the pride, one of the things pride does is it consumes. To consume is different from drinking. You know, consume, that word is much more deeper. So this issue of being born again is not a church. I know some of you think it's a church. Born again is a state, is a condition of your heart. Huh? So let, let everybody get to know this. In Anglican, you can be born again and go to heaven. We need to begin to teach this. This is what he was talking about. But Anglican alone will never take you anywhere. You will die in your sin. This is the real truth. I'm going to ask us who are born again truly to make a recommitment to go out. This going out is to make sure that every person that is not born again, you at least win one soul a month. At least. Just lift up your hand. If you are born again, if you are not, you have no business with the Lord until you come to Him. Lift up your hand and say, Father, provide enough grace, resources, time that will lead me to go and take territories. Territories that men are afraid. Take me to the most difficult places where people are proud. And after you have set a trap for them, because God is going to set a trap for those people to come, to declare that, you know, I need to come. After you have set a trap for them, let them come to you. Anoint my words. Anoint my tongue. And give me grace to prevail over circumstances that will finally take me in that place. Today, I make a commitment that I will go forth as a disciple to bring many into the kingdom. Beginning with my family, Lord, help me. If there's anyone who is not born again in your family, that's an assignment actually mention their names here. Beginning with so and so. Melt their hearts. Let something happen to those people, Lord. Let them receive a fire they can never resist. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let them, if it's your husband, pray that prayer. If it's your wife, pray that prayer. Let there be a certain condition, a circumstance. Those people can never, let them not tell you I'm angry. Can I told you no, no Roman Catholic, no Pentecost, no, whatever, seventh day, all Anglican will go to heaven without Jesus. You are, you are just cheating yourself. You have to be born again. Father, we ask for enough grace. Let that grace fall upon all these, your children, Lord. 
and at the end, revival will return and it will no longer, Lord, be in a dry place. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody say, Amen.